Oh, what what happened? <laughs> I uh, so I have my I have my volume at um like a hundred percent in my headphones right now, so I can like hear your beautiful voice. And then I just got this blaringly loud Windows no viruses detected notification just right in my ears. I was like, and I just I'm I just I just lost all sense of hearing. <laughs> it's definitely a struggle. I went halfway deaf through one of the interviews when the, uh, when that happened. So I feel oh your pain. <laughs> Well, hello, everyone. Um, Welcome back to our third episode of Salad the AdWorks podcast, season two. Happy to be back, still rolling, still going strong, still somehow uploading every Monday week. It's a lot of work, but we're getting through it. Now, how are you doing today, Cole? I'm doing all right. You know, the sun's shining, birds are chirping. I cannot complain. And the salad is being made. (laughs) Ready to go. Exactly. (laughs) And we're tossing salads, so can't be any happier about that. Yeah. Um, You know, when we go to choose ads to discuss each week, it's always a toss up. But, um, you know, somehow we still manage to find the right ingredients to make a great bowl of salad for you to listen to each and every week. So with that, go ahead and hit the follow if you loved that great joke. And if you didn't, well, you're in for a long ride. Now, Cole, we were looking at stuff to talk about today. And um, there's a couple interesting ads out there, aren't there? Do you want to kind of run through a quick overview of what we're looking to talk about today? Yeah. So I kind of wanted to get started with uh, a little uh, conference, I guess, that's going on right now that some of you guys may have heard of. CES Mm. 2019 is currently going on. So it's where all of the big tech companies, consumer electronics companies, it is called the Consumer Electronics Show. That's what CES stands for. Mm-hmm. They all come out to show their newest products, newest releases, and kind of basically try to stomp all over each other, um, <laughs> try to show who has the the biggest and best products. Um, yeah, the best so tech. This, yeah, Only so this year was no different in some ways. We had a little bit of a TV war um, with uh, the rollable TV, this thing that you never knew you needed or never knew you needed to spend $15,000 on. Oh. Um, <laughs> that was just 15 this- iPhone 10s. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Um, And so there's a new rollable TV um, from them. Um, But all in all, uh, it wasn't as exciting of a show, I'd say, as before. Um, It was mostly, you know, we've kind of seen brands come up with their own streaming platforms and kind of coming out with all their new services. And the assistant wars have kind of started to rage on, you know, as Google and Alexa and Siri um, and, you know, obviously Bixby, um, everyone's favorite, um, they all start to uh, kind of battle one another. Um, but we're seeing those platforms start to integrate more and more. So this year, you know, we're seeing speakers that offer both um, Alexa and Google. Mm-hmm. And so now consumers are going to kind of have the option, you know, what they're going to pick. Um, and, you know, then you could have the nightmare situation where there's an alarm going off on your smart speaker and you don't know which which robot slave to ask to turn it <laughs> off. And so we're reaching that point now, which is a little bit frightening, but oh um, it's just been kind of interesting to see these brands are now having to kind of give up space. And even Apple is putting their, uh, is putting their services, their uh, iTunes is going on to Samsung TVs and then AirPlay uh, is going on to, I believe, Vizio and LG TVs. So more and more companies are kind of forced to adopt a more open source kind of thing here. And so, you know, maybe you 
lose a little bit of brand autonomy from that when you kind of have to give in to other speakers or other platforms that may compromise that sort of experience. You know, what does a uh, an Apple app on a Roku TV look like? You know, are we ever going to see something like that? But what's that do to Apple? And it's so. interesting, too. I mean, we were talking about this off um off audio, but it was, it's kind of like, oh, wow, Steve Jobs really is gone. Um, because something like that would never happen, you know, and notoriously, he even kind of admitted that he kind of lost out because, you know, by not bringing Apple stuff to other PCs, Microsoft was able to gain a stronger foothold. So it's interesting to see them kind of expanding now. Um, and Apple's notorious for not having a footprint at CES, but um, exactly. this year they definitely overlooked them, didn't they? So, <laughs> do you want to um, yeah, as Trent stated, I mean, usually this is kind of the, the show for consumer electronics, you know, TVs and speakers and things like that. You know, Apple and other big tech companies, they've traditionally kind of had their own releases. Apple has their, you know, their classic September release where they release all the new iPhones um, and things like that. So they kind of tend to get overshadowed at CES and they don't really care as much about making a big show. But this year, mm -hmm. um, kind of amid a lot of these worries that, you know, Apple is saying they might not be as profitable as they think they're going to be. Sales in China might be slowing, but they wanted to make a statement this year. And so right at the entrance of CES, they put a huge billboard um, of an iPhone. And what it says is what happens on iPhone stays on iPhone. So... Exactly. And CES exactly. is in Vegas so, too. Yeah, I, I thought, so I thought nice, it was nice great, tie in there. <laughs> and I think what it marks too is over the next couple of years, we're going to see Apple's brand really start to change. You know, they've kind of been the market leader for all this time, but you know that's kind of starting to shift. Whereas, you know, maybe they're not selling as many iPhones. There's more competition, a lot of cheaper phones out there too. So, what does Apple have to fall back onto? Kind of their privacy. You know, they're going to keep your data safe. And that's something we all know. And so I would imagine over the next year or two, we're going to see Apple start to lean into that brand a little bit more so than they had been. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's like, again, kind of like you alluded to, I think that's definitely their main point of differentiation now. And like Apple devices are, you know, <laughs> a technological device can only be so secure. Um but I think this is definitely something with all the different tech concerns and privacy concerns going on with Google, with Facebook. Um, this is something that Apple, I think, is very smartly leaning into. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see how, um, you know, how brands are shifting. Because after a certain point, when you start having the same tech, it's like, OK, now how do you even further differentiate? And I guess privacy is going to definitely be a big facet of that going forward. And speaking of disclosing info. Um, yes. Bud Light is now beginning to disclose uh, their nutritional info. Um, and if you're wondering why they hadn't before, um, it goes all the way back to prohibition. Um, essentially, you know, they're not regulated by the same governing bodies. And so it's always kind of been optional for beer and alcohol spirit brands to, um, you know, disclose that info. And so Bud Light's looking to get ahead of the curve. And they did that by um, using, again, their same kind of um, medieval world, you know, with the same characters you know and love. And so they released two spots. Uh, one is King's Speech and one is Arrows. And 
King's speech essentially has the king, you know, rattling off his new decree about how he wants everyone to know what's in their beer. And so they'll be releasing the nutritional content. And um, and then it goes to show the packaging. It shows starting in February, you'll be able to see nutritional content on your beer. Um, and then the second one, which was one of the funniest ads I've watched in a while. Uh, I was dying. Um, so definitely check it out. It's called Arrows. It's essentially <laughs> all these archers on the top of this castle have these arrows and they've got like the little nutritional label like <laughs> like stuck onto it like they took it at the top of the arrow and just slammed it down and then they're shooting these arrows just blindly out into the the rest of the kingdom so that people will see these arrows land and like you know be able to read the label um but then you hear like <laughs> the bud knight steps up and he's like why are you shooting those shouldn't you just put it on the can and they're like oh well he didn't say we shouldn't shoot arrows into the public. And they're like, we'll just put the, the labels on the cans the next go around. And you just hear like people like screaming, like a kind of like a my leg and I think, kind of thing I think going on in the background, you know, the way the button um, kind of approaches it. He's I mean, he's he's got a beer in hand. Exactly. He's like he's like the 40 year old dad chilling on his <laughs> well, lawn. Maybe next time kids. we'll put it on the cans. And he's just like, oh, all right, whatever. You know, you, you crazy kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and it's funny. It's just the reason I want to talk about it is it's just pretty cool that like of all the different ads that go on, what I thought was most interesting to talk about was an ad that literally says, Hey, we've got nutritional labels on our bottles. And it's like, how was that ad, which sounds probably like the most boring of the bunch? Um, how is that ad? kind of struck a tone become so popular? And I think it speaks to the importance of mm-hmm. brand worlds, Absolutely. you know? Um, when I worked at Mother, we did this extensively with Stella Artois, um, another AB and Bev beer brand. Um, Wyden and Kennedy, who created these ads for Bud Light as well, are very notorious on having a brand world. Um, in fact, they recently shifted their entire account services department to become a brand management department. And the whole idea of that is you're kind of curating this world, this idea that at a glance, you know what that brand is about. And it creatively, I feel like it helps you make so many different more executions because if you had a marketing campaign where you're going off this line of of reasoning, you have this strategy, you have this creative execution, you keep making similar stuff like this to build brand equity throughout the year. And then your client comes to you and says, Hey, we need to put nutritional labels on our product. How do we do that? It can be very difficult to say, okay, how do we do that while also staying in our own, um, kind of campaigns that we've been running, how do we make these marketing promotions look similar to each other so that we're not confusing consumers? And, you know, the the beauty of a brand world is you have this creative world already that you can lean in and look into and say, okay, creatively, how would these characters, how would these people that we've created react to this kind of a situation? So you have the self-absorbed king who's talking about how he's the most handsome ruler and he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart. You have these townsmen who are a little Mm -hmm. bit weird and not the brightest (laughs) shooting these arrows out to send the nutritional labels everywhere. And it's kind of an interesting kind of meta, right? Like, like, but like could have just spammed it out, but instead now they're putting on their cans and they get all these characters acting together and it creates something that's creatively interesting that like people will know and love. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's just a very exciting way to do Definitely. that. And it's always and fun be to watch. So I thought see, that that was a really um, smart. Now move. that AP InBev, I believe they bought about five and a half minutes of, you know, spots at this year's Super Bowl. So it'll be cool to see how they kind of expand right. that. But I think you're totally right, Trent, in the way that, you know, brands will be able to leverage these characters and leverage this entire world to do whatever they want, essentially. And, you know, you can kind of, you know, if anything, it makes it almost easier, I'd say, as the 
agency in some ways, because again, like you said, you have this world to kind of lean into and you're able to kind of creatively build that out. And I think what people are seeing now, like with peak TV too, the longer you're able to kind of delve into those characters, people like that more. And, you know, you even look at Marvel or something like that, that's created this entire world, you know, over the course of 10 years. Exactly. Um, and then that kind of culminated in, you know, some of the highest grossing movies of all time in, you know, Infinity War and assumedly, you know, Endgame this year. And it's it's just kind of cool to see, you know, advertising and brands kind of leaning into that as well, because it's like, yeah, I mean, like you said, Trent, it's like all those characters, you know, and love. Um, but, you know, you're still getting jokes from them a year later. So I, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you had mentioned too, like in peak TV, like how do you address that? It's it's interesting. I mean, because, you know, people will mm-hmm. say that like TV is being viewed less and it's less effective medium. And I, I disagree with that. I think like TV and social media are best used together in order to build and increase brand equity. So I think that's why you see a bunch of these brands doing these bigger campaigns that, of course, they run on social and they run on, you know, they'll run on over the top, which for those of you who don't know, is like streaming services like a Hulu Um or YouTube, for example, um, you know, they'll run them on those, but they'll have them on TV, you know, to get, you know, viewers to buy in. Because even if you're on the couch passively listening, or even if you're in the kitchen while the TV's running, and you're hearing that, you know, that like Bud Light chime in thing, then it's instantly recognizable. And then you hear these characters talking, and your ears kind of perk up and you're listening, even if you're passively listening, you're still listening favorably, because you know that that's content that's going to be funny, Mm -hmm. you recognize those voices that that world right and um i think that creates more engagement anyway um so it's 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 cool to see it's interesting you know the more technology we have the different kind of tactics we can develop and strategies that we can develop to figure out okay how do we place these ads and where's the best place for people to to view and listen to them but you know it, it is very exciting to see and um you had mentioned too that the new york times was recently having a big push for um you know, smart speakers and how do you advertise on those? And do you want well, to touch exactly. on that too? Because I think it's another that, example um, of how that you know, you're talking about TV is, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, print and TV aren't as important anymore. And I mean, they aren't in a lot of ways just because, you know, obviously channels are so diversified now, but I feel like still for these tentpole, you know, kind of campaigns and things like that, where you get the dilly dillies, you know, you get the um, just do it, you know, like last year. And I mean, these are all widened examples. Yes, but they're all really good examples right. of how they're building out these whole brand worlds. Because I mean, even in a way, Nike was <laughs> able be to telling do that us something that, you know, you get all those spots at the beginning yep. um, of the Kaepernick ad where, you know, he's introducing all these people. And, you know, some of those people, I believe, then appear in other ads as well. Um, and so in the end, you are kind of, again, creating this sort of brand world around Nike right. and then Old Spice too. You have characters as well, um, you know, and it all kind of goes from there. But, you know, you saw those tentpole mm-hmm. TV spots that kind of hold all of those up, which I think is really cool. But kind of to your point, Trent, that, you know, uh, channels are kind of diversifying and things are changing. Um, you know, brands are trying to have, are having to find new ways to reach their audiences. And so to your point, um, the New York times is now creating a whole suite of kind of Alexa skills and things like that. So they're partnering with Alexa then to put out a daily quiz, a daily news briefing, and I believe some sort of maybe crossword puzzle type thing. Um, but more of a game, 
type thing. And so they're partnering exclusively with, with Alexa. And so I think as, you know, again, kind of going back to the assistant wars there, but, um, you know, as different brands will kind of have to uh, choose their side a little bit, maybe in some way, um, and kind of figure out where they want to live. And so I think Alexa is a really uh, big opportunity of that. But another thing that, um, you know, making moves in the Amazon world is Amazon actually just announced the uh, release of a new streaming platform. And you might be thinking, okay, is this another prime extension or something like that? But no, it's entirely different. And so they're actually, uh, starting a new streaming service on the imdb app so um exactly it's a really odd kind of partnership there but as you guys may have known so interesting um imdb had kind of started releasing some of their own content usually it's just kind of you know either exactly meeting with actors or like here's what the box office was for last usually actor bios so really not too much (laughs) but now um amazon is really going to be start is starting to stream um on those platforms and so they're going to be having um i believe like the bachelor and really big shows are all going to be on this imdb platform and they're all for free the only uh the thing is though they're all ad enabled as well and so it's going to be kind of interesting in that way. You know, we're seeing a platform that has strayed away from ads for so long, uh, Amazon, and now they're, you know, starting to open those back up to ads. So we could be seeing maybe more trial versions of platforms. I mean, who knows, maybe a year or two from now, do we see an, uh, a Netflix light, you know, that has maybe a quarter of the shows and what with commercials, you know, we could start seeing those. Well, in a way, they're canceling original premiums. Yeah, I know exactly, the shows right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> R.I.P. Daredevil. Still salty, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Broken heart, but you know it's fine. Um, <laughs> and I, I want to skip back to your point too about those Amazon assistants, or, yeah. or not Amazon assistants. Wow, look at that branding. Yeah, um, the AI assistants and the voice assistants programming. You know, it's very interesting to see how these brands like New York Times creating new Alexa skills. When I first um, I got an Echo Dot for a Christmas present this year and when I was setting it up, you know, and I'm like, hmm, let me just try out these different features. And I go like, tell me the news. I'm not going to say, you know, Alexa, because I don't want it to turn on. But um, it comes up with all of these different functions and it says you know which news network do you want to hear from it's like cnn fox nbc etc you know new york times and it's like instantly you have to choose it's not going to give you a random curated list from different news sources you have to pick which one and for a lot of people you know they're already going to have their favorite news provider but if you can have a place like the new york times or any other news provider start differentiating their offerings like playing a crossword puzzle on an alexa is probably really cool and for like an an older demographic too, I would assume that's a great way to pass the time and kind of a fun thing to interact with this device. So if you can differentiate it somehow no longer becomes about the news content, it becomes about what are these other features that will then encourage people to stay and choose you for your news mm-hmm. through this device. Exactly. Um, and I think that's very building more and more. And I even had a similar experience. So I was setting up a, uh, a Google Home Mini over the holidays with uh, my grandparents. My grandparents got one in a white elephant or something like that. And so... Um, you know, they're curious how it works and it's like, you know, and they're like, okay. So they asked me, what does it do? And so, you know, 
at that point, you know, I even have to think for a second, you know, okay, what does it do? I mean, you know, you can ask it questions, it can do <laughs> yeah. certain things, but really kind of the functionality and the functionality of it for someone that's older, it's like, hmm, what are you, what are you going to be using these things for? And what can we? And I think we're just reaching the point where brands are really starting to realize how they can play around with devices like this and really do cool things. So hopefully we see more from smart speakers. I know smart speakers have kind of been the talk of the town for the past year or so, but, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to start to be doing some more fun and interesting stuff with them because as of right now, I believe it's still, you know, an Alexa skill, most only 6% of people will use an Alexa skill more than, you know, like a day after they install it. So it's, yeah, it's a really small margin of people that continually use them. And so it's going to be a really a challenge, I think, for brands uh, to find ways to insert themselves into your lives. So you're continually, you know, calling on them throughout the day, because if there's no visual cue, you know, um, it's kind of hard to hard to get people to remember sometimes. So be interesting, you know, whether or not it's on a smart speaker device or on an IMDb site, um, brands are going to kind of have to start playing around with, you know, how one, how they view themselves on different platforms and how they're able to communicate that message, you know, whether it's audibly through a smart speaker or um, kind of leaning into our interview here, or if it's, you know, working through an influencer or social media or something like that, you kind of have to develop your own language for that. And so that kind of brings us into our interview today with Tyler Farnsworth of August United. Um, He's the managing director of August United, which is a influencer marketing agency. So uh, Tyler, thanks for coming on. Super happy to be here, guys. Thanks for the invite. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So yeah, yeah. To get us uh, started off, uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about your background and kind of what what brought you to where you are today here uh, in influencer marketing? You bet. No, absolutely. So I spent a bit of time, spent uh, about five years in a very different role. I was in a a sales and sales management role uh, and then ultimately made a decision to uh, look deeply into the world of, of advertising. And uh, really since, I want to say it was the year 2000, um, there was a movie that came out by Tom, it was starring Tom Cruise called Minority Report. Oh, yeah. You guys, any of you guys ever watched that? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've seen, it's like in the future, it. right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's set like several years in the future. It's supposed to be this dystopian, like super creepy world where the government can see if you're going to like before you commit a crime. Mm, right? Okay. Well, in that movie, uh, the lead character is walking around and he'll walk into a store and the store will read his eyes and it will say, you know, hello, Mr. Mr. You know, Mr. Whatever, you know, how are you doing today? And uh, how are those shorts working out for you? And then, you know, he left the store and he's walking under this underpass on the freeway. And again, the, the these things scan his eyes and the billboards dynamically change under the mm. underpass to be uniquely like created and suited for him. And it was supposed to be super creepy. Right. But at the time, it it like lit me up. Yeah. And I was like, this is brilliant. And I, yeah, like this is like the world of like, of advertising and, and where it can be and how personalized it can get. Um, and rather than seeing it through a creepy eye, I, I saw the potential for good that that could be used from a very personalized web and personalized advertising right. in the future. And, and, mm-hmm. and at that, I, I want to say that that was the moment that 
I knew advertising was in my future. Um, I mm-hmm. spent some time at Arizona State University, uh, the WP, WP Carey School. Uh, and then after my time there, I, I uh, joined an agency in, uh, here in Tempe called Sightwire. And uh, spent some time with Sightwire doing a number of things. I share, share something with mm-hmm. you, Cole. Uh, helped run the, the Bolo yeah. Conference, um, which was a neat experience and neat jump into the world of advertising. And then I made a transition into social media, the social media team, ultimately leading the social media team at Sightwire. Uh, and then to kind of wrap up this long story, uh, three, three, about three and a half years ago in 2015, um, I branched out and, and launched August United, which is a full service or I guess focused, focused agency on uh influencer marketing awesome awesome and uh things have been going well ever since it's uh so i guess it's been now three almost four years now since you guys launched august um do you feel like influencer marketing has kind of changed at all since then do you see any like difference from when kind of you guys started out <laughs> definitely yeah no it's this space is is changing and evolving daily um in 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 our opinion in most cases for the good uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things shifting when we launched august united there was uh, the, even the term influencer was still fairly new and um, you know there was blogger blogger outreach blogger marketing mm-hmm. advocate marketing and, and and there are nuances between all of those things but that that term influencer marketing really was just taking shape and has now exactly. exploded right uh, you know like 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 crazy um you know, for better or for worse in some cases <laughs> it can be a little uh annoying in certain senses um and in other cases it's there are people who are just doing such a good job in this space that uh i i love seeing the growth and the things Definitely. that are happening it's do you feel like it's kind of almost i mean it's changing the way that brands really interact with people um do you do you see brands kind of reacting in different ways now you'd say because of influencer yeah, they have to keep a keen eye. Um, I, I mean, the reason why a lot of brands are integrating this tactic into their strategy uh, is because they 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 know there are audiences that are difficult mm-hmm. to reach. Um, obviously, with a massive decline in traditional TV viewership, uh, complete obliteration of the of the newspaper industry, um, even the rise of ad blockers and banner ad blockers and these kinds of things. Um, you know, some customers and consumers are just difficult to reach through traditional me- media or traditional methods. Um, and, and there's also the, tr- the trust gap. Right. Uh, you know, that was a, a key reason why a lot of folks, a lot of brands work with uh, creators is because there is that trust. Um, now, some folks choose to, to violate that trust in the pursuit of more and more sponsored posts. But the ones who do it right... Uh, maintain it and, and, and brands, that's kind of the Holy grail when you can get wide or large scale reach uh, together with wonderful content with a voice that is uh, authentic and believable. I I think, I think it's definitely kind of 
we're hitting almost a little bit of an inflection point, I think, in influencers because we've had such this large explosion kind of uh, in the last couple of years. And now with, you know, some different kind of controversies and things going on within social media and things like that, um, it can kind of make it a little bit more difficult in some ways when I know you mentioned the trust gap there, you know, in this increasingly polarized world, you know, people aren't sure, you know, who that they know who they're talking to. How, how have you guys kind of then reacted to that? And how do you feel that brands and other influencers should kind of approach this? Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's one that it's something that we are excited is happening in, in certain ways. And what I mean by that is there's, whenever there's a massive jump into something and demand exceeds mm-hmm. supply, you'll see bad actors. You'll see bad actors, exactly. come out, right? Um, and in, in this industry, the bad actors are uh, fake followers, mm-hmm. fake engagement, um, people promoting things that they don't actually like or believe in, um, a content that is, you know, stolen or ripped okay. off, <laughs> you yeah. know, like all these kinds of, I, I, I could speak for a few minutes on things that don't exactly. go well. And um, we, we see similar things in various industries, mm-hmm. right? Fraud, um, fraud should be called out, should be rooted out and squashed uh, wherever possible. And so that's, that's what we've seen is a massive rise in technology, especially AI fueled technology that's allowing us to um, really have brand health checks on each influencer before Mm -hmm. we work with them, Um, looking at fraud detection, looking at abnormalities, ensuring that these folks are brand safe, that they are the the right kind of partners for us. And so, and, and not just that, but looking at really third party data verification on all metrics uh, and all outcomes that we're driving for brands. Um, And so, you know, for us, that's been a huge benefit to say, hey, yeah, we're we're against some of the junk that's happening in the space. Let's band together. Let's work with other tech partners and, and, uh, you know, different different partners in, in that space to be able to all showcase the the most effective and accurate data points for the brand partners we work with. Definitely. And really, if anything, it makes it more necessary to kind of have those, those extra checks and, you know, just making sure that you are, you know, going into those, going into those sorts of things. But obviously I guess maybe having then an influencer agency, do you feel like brands have responded then better to you guys then because you're able to kind of help them navigate these waters? Yes. I mean, there's a lot of things in the world of marketing you can do yourself, Mm -hmm. right? When you're a small startup, yeah. I mean, grind it, figure things out, get scrappy. I respect the heck out of that. Um, What we see, however, especially with larger organizations Mm -hmm. is some folks may say, Hey, yeah, I mean, what's, what's it going to take? Let's reach out to a few folks on Instagram. Let's, let's send a couple of emails to some YouTubers and (laughs) giddy up. Let's, let's run an influencer program. And by all means, you know, do it. Sure. Jump in there. That's I, I, uh, I support it. I think what a lot of brands see though, is when they do jump in, they, they recognize there's, there's a lot, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to do there. Um, from, the strategy from the front end to who you identify, it's much more than just a large following. Um, uh, you know, we, we create something that we call the influencer litmus mm-hmm. test, right? It's basically a filter 
It's a filter that we leverage that ensures that the people we're identifying for a brand match, match for the strategy, match for the brand, match for the audience that, you know, that we're going after, that we're, we're uh, interested in reaching, uh, match for the content style that that creator builds. Um, and then there are just all kinds of <laughs> housekeeping items from creating contracts for each influencer, the, the right creative brief, managing each aspect of the experience, ensuring that uh, the things that they deliver meet FTC guidelines, ensuring that measurement's accurate. And so it, often brands that are our best partners have tried influencer marketing mm -hmm. themselves and have realized that there, there's a lot more to it. Um, and so then they come to us and say, hey, guys, we know we like this, but but uh, we, we'd love a partner to, to help out. Right. Um, and so, Tyler, kind of going along those same lines, too, uh, obviously, there's been some form of influencer in marketing, you know, ever since the uh, the first celebrity kind of held up that first product and said, you know, I use this, too. But, you know, with with social media kind of in its advent, you know, it, it really has exploded, you know, the last you know decade or so. What would you say, you know, the broader impact of social media and influencers has had on advertising? Has it kind of fundamentally changed the game or where do you see influencer marketing fitting in there? Well, it's certainly it certainly helped. Uh, I mean, fundamentally changed is always hard <laughs> to put your arms around, but uh, it's even three years ago, we would still find ourselves speaking to the CMO, explaining why, what the tactic is and why you should leverage it. Leveraging influential voices, to yeah. your point, is not new. That's been around since the <laughs> dawn of time, right? Um, it, it's not new to, you know, yes, just the tools change, the methods change, the megaphone changes, but it's been yeah. around for eons. Uh, but but in the space that we have now, the influence has become democratized, right? A 14-year-old girl from Los Angeles sitting in her bedroom can have a larger reach than some of the largest mm -hmm. uh, cable TV yeah. networks, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. And with that comes this massive diversification of faces, of people, of voices, of backgrounds, of creativity, of pockets, of you know, niche audiences. Mm -hmm. And that is right. what has changed the game. Yeah. I mean, never before would you have the quantity and the variety of voices and of audiences mm -hmm. that you have today. Um, and so it allows even very niche, very unique brands that historically would never advertise on television. Um, it allows them to say, hey, who are different influencers or different creators right. that could work for us? Um, and I like that. Yeah. I like that Do you a lot. Think, um, oh, <laughs> sorry. Do you think it... Um, as far as how it fits, you know, you look at your marketing funnel too. Do you think the influencer marketing, is it really just for awareness? Can it be used to drive purchase consideration too? Or where do you see it fitting in in that sense? Yeah. In, in many cases, it is a top of funnel tactic, right? So it is a, a discovery or an awareness tactic um, that helps people discover right. a new product. But it does move people down the funnel. And in our opinion, people enter the funnel lower when they come through an influencer versus if they just see a banner ad or a right. pre-roll on YouTube or a billboard mm -hmm. outside on the street, right? They enter in a different with a different yeah. level of trust, um, so lower mm -hmm. down the funnel. 
Now it does drive purchase um, for, and it all depends on what the, you know, yeah. what the thing is, but let's say, I mean, we've seen beauty and beauty influencers, makeup influencers mm-hmm. for a long time on YouTube, right? We know that there are folks who will search and they'll check out what that creator is using and she'll link out to those things on her, on her YouTube video and purchases are driven from those things. We see with the rise of Instagram stories, a massive amount of purchase intent that happens from these IG stories with the swipe up links and allowing someone to go straight to an Amazon page. Um, so it's, I, purchase is still the second, a secondary aspect, uh, but it's certainly gaining in prominence. Yes. I think that only serves to make it more beneficial too, I think for brands, which is awesome to hear. Yeah. I say right now, this is the next iteration of influencer marketing too. No longer can you just say, great, we have wonderful people with huge followings who are creating beautiful content and saying really nice things about Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, that's all good. And I'm not discounting Uh that. But when we're looking at ROI, I mean, more and more money is being put into the influencer marketing space. And with that comes responsibility for that money right? You need to showcase the outcomes, the true ROI that is happening. And some of that is reach and impressions. Some of that would be views or or likes or comments or other engagement. Some of that is content. But some of those things are what what attributable elements can we showcase? Did we grow our social followings? Did we grow our email, our email lists? Did we drive purchase or purchase intent? Um, The people who are coming in from influencer channels, are they more loyal? Are they going to purchase more often? Are they, is there a higher lifetime value with these people than if they came in in other ways? All of that is kind of in the, the lexicon and the space right now as this channel evolves and uh, matures. It's definitely interesting. You know, I hear you kind of talking about, you know, it's being lower in the funnel and, you know, really is driving things in a lot of ways because there is that high level of trust there. So do you feel that kind of influencer and social media, though we do feel like it's obviously breaking down in some ways, you know, how people feel about brands, you know, with, you know, obviously all the issues with Facebook, you know, people are a little bit more unsure about, who they're talking to maybe, but also, you know, you're strengthening those brand connections in a way, you know, cause you're going through a trusted advocate or a trusted, you know, friend almost to these people. So do you feel like it's changing how brands communicate then in that way? Yeah, I do. I mean, in the early days of social media, I think it was really exciting to follow a brand right before you never would like what how how could you follow a brand before you really you really didn't it wasn't a thing brands weren't personas and i mean they were but you couldn't follow them unless you had their newsletter or you subscribed to a um i don't know they had a a magazine that came out or or something like that and and so it was really exciting to say all right i'm gonna follow lego or i'm gonna follow uh you know Ford, or i'm gonna follow this hunting brand that i care about or this makeup brand that i care about uh but we're seeing a little of that, a little bit of that luster being lost, um, where people are saying, "Okay, all right, I've, I've had enough. I follow a lot of brands, and so now it's really just, from what I'm seeing at least, and I think the algorithms have mm-hmm. morphed into this as well. There are really only a select few brands that I continue to see in my feed, mm-hmm. and even fewer yeah. that I choose yeah. to continue yeah, to follow. Exactly. Um, but." I see a lot mm-hmm. more people, right? My friends, my family, 
but then also key creators that I think are interesting and that I interact and engage with regularly. And so, you know, as, as brands say, Hey, we still have needs. We still have to talk to people around the new product that's being released or this grand opening for this new store or the new season of uh, this show on Netflix or, you know, whatever it is, uh, these, these influencers or these creator voices mm-hmm. are, are definitely. And I feel like too, important. it's you, again, you kind of talked about, you know, our, our feeds kind of changing over time. And obviously there was the big, um, you know, Facebook had that big change last year where they changed, uh, you know, what people were seeing, you know, they shifted to more of your friends content and things like that. Um, where do you think influencer and social, kind of as a whole finds that balance? Where do you think that kind of lies? Yeah, I mean, it's going to continue to evolve. Uh, I We're in this weird space right now where so many brands are getting into wanting to work with influencers that it's mm-hmm. driving up mm. uh, cost in a huge way and in a way that 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 i don't think is sustainable um and so i think there's going to be this kind of pendulum swing a little bit uh and you're you're already there was an article and i'm i would need to go back and find this article so i can't Mm -hmm. reference the exact source um but it, it was it was recent within the last couple of weeks and it was talking about how being sponsored or having sponsored posts <laughs> is becoming yeah. a status symbol for oh, young yeah. <laughs> people. Right. And so think about kids in high school. If it's like, Oh my gosh, cool. you have a sponsored post. Yeah. Like you've made it, you've done it. <laughs> and as much as that kind of makes yeah. me want to ro- roll my eyes, it, 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 it's funny. And so what we're seeing are young folks doing incredible things mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. let's say Adidas, right? They're not actually sponsored by Adidas, but they will have this really rad looking post with Adidas shoes on, and then they'll create this copy and they'll use hashtag Mm -hmm. sponsored or hashtag Adidas partner, even though they're not. And it's, I feel like there's some interesting like wins there um, and trends there where you have these communities of folks who are going to be competing from a content standpoint against Mm -hmm. the quote unquote professional (laughs) influencers. And um, that's kind of exciting to me to, to harness the power of just people who are stoked on the brand and uh, aren't in it necessarily for the money Um, maybe initially. And so I think there's that. I also think that there's going to be um, kind of a distillation of influencer marketing to where I see brands moving forward, not necessarily trying to work with the largest Mm -hmm. quantity of influencers, but really getting a core group that they can work with for a longer period of time on Mm -hmm. larger and more elaborate Mm. uh, activations Um, rather than kind of one off hits, but more long term, a lot of in-person elements, longer term creative elements. Uh, that's where I, I see a lot of the shift uh, too. that, you know, there was a time where, you know, someone would say, Oh, you know, you're being, you know, you're a sellout or something like that. But now it's like, people are embracing, you know, even without getting paid, you know, that people are so attached and aligned with a brand that yeah. they would choose to do that. Yeah, exactly. As long as, and I think the key is as long as it's natural to you, mm-hmm. cause you are a sellout. If it's not right, uh, 
And, and that's the, that's a, in my opinion, a much greater risk to the Uh influencer than it is to the brand, Mm -hmm. right? When you look, what do, as a creator, what do you have? You have your audience. Mm -hmm. That's it. And if your audience leaves you because you sell out, because you're overly sponsored or you're clearly doing things that don't align with you, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. And so I, I gotta tell you, I love it uh-huh. when there are certain influencers who tell us no. Mm-hmm. Um, now that doesn't happen often because we, I feel like we do a good job of vetting people, but occasionally someone says, you know what? Thanks for the offer, but that just doesn't align with me. That is a huge right. star for me because I go, this person knows who they are and who they're not. And I love that. And 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 then I see the other side where it's like, wow, this person will just take anything, any deal. And do I believe them? <laughs> right? Do, does their audience believe them? Why is their audience even here? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, there's I, I wholeheartedly ag- ag- agree with you, Cole, that it has become when done right. It has become somewhat of a, a completely accepted thing, especially with a younger generation. Um, they don't look at it as a sellout. Okay. They look at it as, hey, cool. Good for you. Like you're making this happen and you're creating content that I like, that I consume, that's entertainment for me and keep it up. So I have a question for you too, Tyler, off of that. Um, Obviously it's interesting again with like the people who are kind of pretending to be a sponsored, you know, partner, but obviously that helps brands to a certain extent because they get more awareness around their brand or their product. But do you think that hurts or helps influencer marketing too? I mean, does it kind of create some distrust that is this person actually really a trusted partner in the mind of a consumer or does it kind of help build influencer too because it creates like a greater luster around the the image of being an influencer well yeah i mean that's that can be hard i i I, because i don't know there's a direct answer i think some of these up-and-comers let's say if it's a young kid who's who's you know, got his new right. fresh kicks and he's got his Adidas shoes and he's stoked about it and he's taking great photos and he's just excited about it. I think yeah. that's a great thing, exactly. right? When you have user generated content in mass, that's really awesome. Um, and he's a, you know, he's a brand advocate and he's looking at ways to interact with the brand. That's great. If it's someone who is just trying to, to, to earn a buck at some point yeah. or their content's really poor, uh, uh, or they're, or it's an, it's unhealthy, you know, there's kind of an unhealthy obsession toward, mm-hmm. toward it, then, then yeah, that's, that's not good. So I think there's a, I think with anything, there's a balance, um, and we're just going to have to have to have to ride that balance out. Do you then think that there's, so, you know, we're talking about kind of finding a balance with kind of social media and, you know, sort of your Instagram or your Facebook feed as being a channel, but how do you feel, does influencer kind of grow beyond that in a way though? Um, You know, we see kind of more and more influencers and, you know, YouTubers making it into movies and things like that. And kind of, uh, you know, the rise of the internet star has kind of started to leak into, you know, other, other parts of other industries as well. Um, So do you feel like influencer marketing will sort of start to change as well? Yeah. And it already has. I mean, influence, even today, I do not classify mm-hmm. influencer marketing as being underneath the social media umbrella. Um, it, it, it extends far beyond, uh, although 
a vast majority of the content today is mm-hmm. created and distributed on social. We see, I mean, I, I'm in, I'm in New York city right now. And as I was driving down Broadway, I saw a huge, you know, video, video screen up there oh, wow. and mm-hmm. it has tons of influencer content on it for gap. Right. And it's just like, boom, boom, boom. And it has the influencers handle has the, the Instagram logo there and it's IG stories like on this huge screen. Um, we've mm-hmm. seen it on television spots to, to the point you just made. Um, we saw a huge YouTuber taking, taking over during the ball drop in New York city. Yeah. This, mm-hmm. the, you know, just a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, there's, there's more and more space that we're seeing influencer content being used in print media in out of home in, uh, you know, billboards and these kinds of things. Uh, it, great stories can go anywhere and it, it extends far yeah. beyond social. Um, we're also seeing experiential mm-hmm. events, uh, rise in prominence mm-hmm. like crazy. So big meetups or other in-person non-digital events that are being, uh, headlined, uh, by influencer right. hosts uh, where their audiences can come down and meet them or interact with them or work together with them mm-hmm. or have some sort of experience uh-huh. together with them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly extending far beyond the, mm-hmm. the, the gardens. Definitely. That, and it definitely the, seems the to be that platform. way in the sense that, um, yeah, I guess to your point that, you know, there's just, like it, go, it goes so much be, more beyond the feed. And because there's such this level of trust, you know, that it would be more associated with celebrity, but almost to a more personal level with influencers that allows that to kind of take shape in kind of so many different unique ways. I mean, it's like you even look at, you know, what, like a top Fortnite streamer or something like that, like Ninja or something like that. And he's able to talk and connect with his fans and even other celebrities in a way, you know, he's up there, you know, playing... Fortnite with Drake or something like that. And then that's, you know, they're, they're able to do more things like that and everyone's able to be a part of it. So it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. And, you know, Cole, you bring up a good point because historically it feels weird to say historically in, in this space, but, but uh, I, I mean, blogging and then, YouTube, Instagram, mm-hmm. that's where you've seen a lot of these things happening. Uh, you know, Twitter had this huge rise and kind of a little bit of a decline and, and it's, it's still cranking. Um, mm-hmm. Pinterest is different from an influencer realm. LinkedIn has its own kind of unique influencer element to it on, a, on the professional and B2B sphere. Um, but then, yeah, huge emerging elements in, in the likes of, of things like Twitch and a lot of other live streaming platforms that are mm-hmm. really gaining a lot of prominence. But Twitch is yeah, exciting is. to me. Um, not, not just the, you know, the um, gaming aspect of it or the esports aspect of it, which has a massive element in its own right, but some of the other things that they're doing from a, a lifestyle element as well. Definitely. Definitely. It's all kind of starting to grow out of that now. And well, people, people spend so much time there, you know, that it, it allows it to kind of gain this massive following. So it's, it's definitely crazy. The watch, watch time is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's out of this world. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Exactly. Uh, so I guess kind of in the same sphere, we've talked a little bit about, you know, influencer marketing, what it's been and where we think it's going for 
students who are looking to enter the marketing industry right now and are thinking about going into more of a influencer marketing realm or joining an influencer marketing shop, you know, what would um, be your advice for students, you know, when they're, when they're approaching that space? Yeah, I love this. Uh, number one, learn people, learn how people work. Um, and I, and I mean that in like understand Mm -hmm. empathy, look at like, what do, what might an influencer care about? What's important to them? Think about the impact of who their audiences are, be able to understand your potential clients in the future and what's important to them, be able to understand your client's customer and what's Mm -hmm. important to them. And then you're combining all of those things into a mix that says, how can we best fulfill the needs and wants and desires of all of these parties and all of these people? Um, And how can we do so in a way that's not (laughs) annoying? That's Mm -hmm. not interruptive. That's not manipulative. You know, like all the things that people despise about old school advertising. How can we create something that is exciting, that's intriguing, that causes you to want to pay attention? That's that's what marketing Mm -hmm. should be. Um, And so for for students, yeah, understand. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to oversimplify it, but learn people learn like if you can be an amazing people person you'll do great in this industry because and i tell my team this a lot well, you can have the greatest creative idea in the world but if not a single if not a single influencer will say yes right. to that idea mm-hmm. you have nothing you have nothing you have an idea and it will never see the light of the day so that's key um another thing is just learn how to think right learn learn how to connect things together learn how to see around corners uh this space is always changing so be very comfortable with ambiguity um i mean one day you'll wake up and instagram will have completely changed api changes or the feed changed or the algorithm changed and if that stresses you out I don't know, maybe go into a <laughs> or something, but like, like you, you, you've got to realize that this space is constantly evolving and that either excites you mm-hmm. or it stresses you out. And if it excites you, heck yeah, you're, you're in the right space. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's so true in the sense that, you know, I, I think that the Instagram API change like thing is just so funny because I mean, these, these platforms too, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a day, it's an update. And then, you know, strategies have to change completely, you know, and it's just, uh, it's just crazy to see in a thing where things are moving so fast. You really do have to be adaptable. I am curious too, Tyler, really quick. What were your thoughts on the Instagram side scroll that kind of happened? And they said it was a bug, but it was kind of an update that wasn't an update anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, Instagram and, and, I, I might have a different perspective. I, I actually have an immense amount of respect for Facebook. I think they've gotten beat up a little bit this past year or so. And, you know, in some cases, maybe understandably so. But by and large, I think they're a really wonderful group of people. Um, mm-hmm. I've been able to interact with a, a lot of folks who work together with them. I've been able to help on uh, from an advice perspective on some of their emerging influencer tools. And they, they are they're great. They're a great bunch. And they are constantly testing right? They're constantly evaluating, constantly testing. And, um, so the way it's been, the way I understand it, and I I believe this to be the true is that was a test that was only intended to be for a small group, but, uh, uh, went up to a lot of people. Um, and you know, uh, cool, great. They're, they're always evolving the platform. And, uh, 
you know, what do I love it? I, I don't know. Uh, what something I can tell you, and this is just me personally, uh, with the evolution of Instagram stories, I spend almost all my Instagram uh-huh. time on stories. I don't find myself in the feed mm-hmm. as much anymore, not by a long shot. And uh, so maybe they're trying to take that behavior and cause someone like me to go back into the feed a bit. Um, yeah. Cool. Great. I, I, I embrace whatever changes. Not that I'm not going to say I'm going to yeah. like every change, but I embrace and love their yeah it's a new challenge a new kind of way to figure out how to best use the platform again which is always exciting Mm -hmm. exactly it keeps you on your toes that's for sure (laughs) but um so we'd like to kind of end all of the all of our uh episodes here with uh what what's kind of a book video or piece of media that you really can like you consumed and you really enjoyed recently that you think others should look at um, this can be kind of anything that yeah. you think would be helpful for students or just something really cool that you found. Um, yeah, no. So I, I think any student of marketing, mm-hmm. regardless of your age, um, you, you, you've got to be someone who's always open, right? Always, always gaining the next, uh, the next insight. That's what helps fuel creativity. Uh, so there, there are a couple of things, um, so I love basically any book by Seth Godin, but he recently wrote a book called This Is Marketing. Uh, brilliant, brilliant book. I mean, if you've read any of his works in the past, then you'll be familiar with his style of speaking. Uh, but but this book, he continues to talk about being relevant, not loud. Okay. So mm-hmm. not just being loud and annoying, but being relevant, being helpful, being interesting, being yeah. remarkable, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says marketing is something that we, you know, he's like, what do we, what do we call it when we make something people want? Well, that's, that's, that's marketing. Right. And, and so it's just, that was a really cool book. I just read, um, there was another book by a guy named Shane Snow and he co-wrote it with a guy named Joe Lazowskis and it's called the storytelling edge. And they do a good job of talking about storytelling. Um, to me, that's where, that's one of the key elements of influencer marketing are people who can tell good stories, create great content. Um, and probably the last book that I, that I love, it's not a new book. It's been around for a long time, but it's a book called oh, hey yeah. Whipple squeeze this yep. kind of a weird <laughs> title. Um, but it's written, written by a guy named Luke Sullivan. Um, it, it, it talks a lot about tension and leveraging tension in your advertising. Uh, and I, I love that book. It's kind of a staple in uh, ad and marketing programs around the country, but um, really brilliant book. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, great. So uh, we'll leave maybe some notes for our uh, listeners to kind of follow up and find those. But uh, I think that's that probably just about does it uh, for us for time. So thanks for coming on again, Tyler. Had a great time talking to you. I thought this is a really interesting conversation looking at where social media and influencers going. And yeah, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Thank you both. Love, love the times that it's been. Awesome. Sweet. Man, yeah. Tyler's just yeah. such a great guy, isn't he? Um, every time we talk, I'm like always like blown back and just always excited to chat with him. Um, I know Cole, you've been working with him for a while, which yeah. I'm very jealous of. Um, but, you know, I met Tyler he came into AdWorks once to to talk with all of us and kind of give a speech about how to kind of get rid of boring marketing. And he's just 
always has an interesting story or an interesting take that really makes you stop and think. So it was mm-hmm. great sitting down with him um, and just really exciting stuff to dig into there. Um, I know we talked a lot about the difference between, you know, real influencers and fake influencers and, you know, younger people and who are wanting to kind of look like they have that influencer status. Um, and it's always interesting to see um, what kind of goes into that. Um, you know, what did you think, Cole? Um, I thought it was really interesting. And I mean, even down to the, you know, down to the thought of how, you know, how we view influence and how we view sponsorship and how that's changing and how, you know, it's almost like a badge of honor in some right. way to be sponsored. You know, I think I think that's just so crazy. Um, but um, I thought it was just really interesting to hear from him about how, you know, influencer really is changing the game in a lot of ways. And, you know, it it takes trust from a brand, you know, perspective to give someone else that control over it, you know, to create a post or something like that. But I think really the big part of it is reaching these now niche communities. I mean, you have the long tail of the internet that allows you to kind of, um, you know, you can sell a product that would have never, you know, you would never been able to sell that product in Minneapolis, but you know, now that you have access to the entire world, you're able to do that. And you're able to, you know, if it's like a certain model train, you're able to reach every model train enthusiast. And I think that's what we're seeing with influencers is you have this diversification and that you've got an influencer for almost any, everything, you know? Um, And that goes back to what we talked about with the TV, you know, mm -hmm. at the front end of this conversation, Um, you know, TV (laughs) may be great for mass audiences and brand equity, you know, mm-hmm. but you can then, you know, if you're wanting to build brand equity and all that, you can then, you know, as Tyler talked about, as influencers try to switch from being awareness to more, you know, consideration and purchase driving, you know, you can then use an influencer campaign paired with a TV campaign to have people learn about the brand, you know, use social social media to get them aware of the brand. And then you can have influencers to really talk about the product to the specific people you think are a great fit for that brand. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see how those pieces start to fit together. Exactly. And I mean, and that's really the thing is like, these are the the influencer communities are so small that you're able to reach people on a completely different level. Whereas like, you know, we talk about those Bud Light ads, that, you know, yeah. everyone loves those, but you know, that's not necessarily speaking to me on a, you know, <laughs> a deep level of any kind. But I mean, even one of our clients at um, August is for example, cochlear, um, you know, they right. make uh, bone induction hearing aids and, you know, we one of our tasks is you know to find influencers for that brand and you know those are very specific people whether it's someone that has a child with hearing loss or someone that lost their hearing very suddenly you know it's um those are kind of the people that you look for in those really tight communities but that's someone that's going to be able to speak to that audience so much better than any other sort of you know even than the brand is able to do so i i think it it is really cool to see that opening up even more Yeah. And I think, you know, the last three weeks have been a nice kind of encapsulation of this idea. You know, we've talked with John, who talks about new technology. We've talked with Brad about leadership and being flexible when Mm -hmm. you're dealing with new people. And I think we see that too with brands, you know, agencies are looking to kind of adapt and find new ways that you can, you know, bring in, you know, help the marketing team out with these brands and help increase sales and and equity and brands are now trying to find new ways to continue to spread their reach looking through you know smart devices and you know uh, digital assistants and i think you kind of continue to see like <laughs> there's always new pieces to the puzzle but the one takeaway i've had is it's not that one will overpower any others it's 
each one is really unique and very powerful. And how do you find the best way to fit them together to get even increased synergies, Um, which is very like a buzzword. But I think we're seeing that the more we talk with uh, these different people in the ad world and we look at these different campaigns. Exactly. It almost feels like like synergy is like a dirty word nowadays, but mm-hmm. it's definitely what's happening here in a lot, in like so many ways because yeah. we're taking I mean, the sin out point, of synergy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's about creating that brand world that, you know, inhabits all these different platforms and they all work together in their own unique way. So exactly. I, I, mean, I think Which, that's I think that's, per, that's to that's tie perfect. into that. Right. I can go I can be on TV and see a Bud Light ad. Right. And then I can go on my Instagram scroll while I'm watching that TV ad and see a freaking Instagram ad pop up. That is literally the king teaching the kind of uppity other king, um, you know, about different things. And like, you know, there's like the ads where they'll talk about um, how to pronounce different words, you know, and it's like the uppity guy is very fancy. And then the everyday king can't really get it the same way and chooses to have the beer instead of the the fancy alcoholic drink you know like and i can see those two things at the same time and it just kind of continues to reinforce and you use it in a different way and you do a totally different thing but it matches up still it's very cool i you know i can nerd out about that all day i think <laughs> <laughs> no definitely it's it's fun to see the whole you know ecosystem being created <laughs> yeah exactly yeah with that you know we're going to wrap things up for all of you today thank you for tuning in again um you know, just want to kind of encourage you to hit that follow button again, subscribe to us on iTunes podcast, Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever you're listening. Um, and give us a follow on Instagram at salad underscore podcast, where we'll be keeping you up to date on our upcoming content and what we've been posting here so far. Um, just want to say thank you again to all of you. And, uh, you know, this is Trent signing off from Tempe. Good night, everyone. Yeah. Thanks again to our listeners and have an adtastic week.